right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It is Dr. Allo again. So today we're going to talk about artificial intelligence in medicine. Now, this is an evolving field, but a lot of people don't know that we have been using AI, or at least some form of it, in medicine. For example, just like briefly, and then I'll go through some uh, things, some exact examples. But first of all, um, there's a lot of like predictive algorithms, let's say, in, in medicine. So for example, if you're using an electronic medical record system and you're seeing a patient in the hospital, the computer system may recommend to you that perhaps this patient is septic, which means they have like an overwhelming infection and a lot of their organs are failing. Now, this is based on data that is available to the EMR. It looks at their I don't know, blood pressure, what medications they're on, their white count, their procalcitonin levels, what have you. And it can say, hey, listen, have you evaluated this patient for sepsis or not? That happens quite a bit in uh, in medicine, even in today's EMRs without any of the advanced, you know, AI stuff um, that already happens. So that's not uh, something new. Um, also, another thing to understand, maybe I'll bring an expert on here to discuss AI, artificial intelligence, um, and how it's used generally speaking, and then how we can um, use it in medicine. So in there are two forms of AI, basically. One of them is um, these algorithms or predictive models, sort of like what I discussed earlier. Also, like you see this in imaging, you do a chest x-ray, and, and we've been using this in medicine for a very long time. The AI or the computer can evaluate certain areas in the lung that look a little bit different than other areas of your lung. And it highlights those areas for the radiologist to look at and focus on. Um, that's one thing. Simple little algorithms, simple mathematics, things like that. That's not AI. I mean, that is in an algorithm and it is an AI. The other aspect of artificial intelligence is this machine learning. Machine learning is when the AI takes a bunch of data that is already in the electronic medical record system, and based on what happened to previous patients, it can predict what's going to happen to your current patient. So let's say this EMR has, I don't know, in my city, let's say 300,000 people already in the EMR. And some of these EMRs have millions of patients. They they say that now, I don't know, something like 75, maybe 80% of the uh, populations, medical records are on an electronic medical system. I, I would argue that it's even higher than that. I think that one was just Epic, just the Epic electronic medical system, which is just one of them. But if you look at all, across all electronic medical record systems, I think everybody's records now are pretty much on um, some sort of electronic medical record system. Now, so the computers have access to like hundreds of thousands, millions, probably maybe even billions of data points. So Let's just simplify it down to my single hospital. If there's a, you know, 100,000 patients in there and when the majority of them had these five things, whatever those five things may be, if they had these five things, we know that in seven months they're going to have this other thing that you probably want to get ahead of. Or these patients that were treated with this exact procedure with this exact lab value we know that in 10 months, they're going to have this other thing and you want to watch out for that. And and then you can use it, you, you know, that, that would be like machine learning. The machine learns and starts being able to predict these things. So we already know, so there's probably about, 
I don't know, 10 or 15 different ways that AI can help us in uh, medicine. Um, and some of them we're kind of already using, like in pacemakers, for example, I implant pacemakers. They can sort of adjust to the patient. Some of them have very intelligent uh, computers and algorithms on board where they can adjust to what the patient has, their activity level, how they feel, their fluid buildup, especially if it's a uh, pacemaker. I'm sorry, especially if it's a defibrillator. It can notify you that their volume status is up. Patients with heart failure, it can trigger an a alert and notify us in our office the next day or that that same evening, that night when they go to sleep, that the patient's building up fluid and we can get ahead of it before they end up in fluid overload, you know, florid heart failure, hospitalized for, you know, three, four or five days. And, you know, we, we could have just adjusted their diuretic slightly. So that already comes into play already as it is. Um, and the, like I talk about, the, the number one place that AI probably fits right now is medical image analysis. We know that in radiology, maybe even pathology, that there's a lot of abnormalities that are picked up by the AI more accurately even sometimes, depending on the study you read, than what the physicians are able to detect. Um, so that's the... Uh, main concern. The, the biggest concern that doctors have is when is AI or machine learning going to replace us? If ever, it, uh, is it going to replace us? That, that And we'll get to that towards the end. Um, the other area where I think it may make a difference is in virtual assistants, whether it's electronic. Like right now, for example, if I do a Zoom meeting and I talk to members of my community, we do these weekly Zooms, right? We meet once a week, we do a Zoom, everybody asks their questions, we look at everybody's goals, did you lose weight, did you gain weight, what does your lipid panel look like, did your LDL go down, what medications you're on, you know, those kind of things. Um, virtual, after after the Zoom meeting, this virtual assistant called read.ai takes my Zoom meeting, summarizes it into key chapters, into bullet points, a summary, what we discussed, the topics that were discussed, all of that, and I can paste it into the live replays uh, uh, area as a text. So my community members can go and access those replays or just read the summary first and decide from the summary um, if they want to commit to watching the entire program. And that's just one simple way that the uh, AI is helpful with these like, quote unquote, like virtual assistants almost. Um, the other one, probably third, I think we're on number three now, is this predictive analysis model, kind of like I talked about earlier, where you look at hundreds of thousands of records, maybe millions, and you predict what is going to be the outcome. I know the insurance industry uh, use this a lot based on somebody's cholesterol, whether they smoke or not, nicotine levels, what have you. Um, it can predict how long you're going to live and what conditions you're going to have. So those prediction models are also very helpful. Um, also, I it is also probably good at fraud detection. If a patient, and, and this is probably already in place, you know, the insurance, medical insurance industry probably already does this, but if a patient keeps getting an echocardiogram every doctor visit, which is like every other week or you know every month or something, something's not right. Why do they keep doing that? Or like, for example, the pharmacy, somebody's Norco uh, keeps getting refilled, you know, these controlled opiates keep getting refilled, but the patient is maybe not no longer the address in that city. Um, that's good for fraud, uh, detection. Um, the other one I feel like it might help is with like chat bots or like, vir you know, kind of like the virtual assistants, but like somebody isn't getting an answer or wants to see their doctor or has a question for their doctor, they can log into the portal in Epic. It's called my chart or, but I'm sure other, uh, portals exist for other EMRs and they can say, 
uh, when is my next doctor visit in a natural kind of language and the chat bot based on AI responses and how we've trained it sort of like I can train chat bots anyways now to answer questions in business for your website your business your e-commerce web store like what are you looking for if you're looking for Halloween costumes, you know, we can help you with this, but the chatbots would be able to help the patient like, hey, if you are trying to set up an appointment to see your cardiologist, here's where you need to click. Do you want me to help you set that up? And the patient can say yes, and then it already sets up an appointment for them, you know, in the EMR. So the chatbots are super, super um, helpful. Um, another one, I think we're on like five or six now, would be maybe more, would be automating manual workflows. Like for example, in our office, if somebody had a stress test and it's pretty much normal, automatically the AI would be trained to call that person, send them a text message, notify them on their phone, what have you, that, you know, your test results are pretty much normal. Or if the test result is not normal, let's say your magnesium is a little high or something, it can send you a message saying, hey, your magnesium is high. Here's what to look out for. I'm setting up a follow-up appointment with your doctor for you so that we can go over this and maybe address it ahead of time before, you know, it becomes an issue. Um, another one, um, I think would be something like, uh, AI assisted, um, diagnosis. If your doctor is a little bit puzzled, you know, a lot of people have gone to chat GPT and said, Hey, I have the following symptoms and they list like 10 or 15 symptoms. What disease do I have? Um, and then the, the GPT, the chat GPT spits out a, uh, high likelihood possibility. Like if you have worsening fatigue, worsening shortness of breath, edema, swelling of your feet, you know, what do I have? The AI can spit out, well, based on what I know about you, you may have heart failure and we'll set up an appointment for you, you know, so so all that helps. Or if the doctor, for example, is a little bit puzzled, um, they're doing their note after they've seen the patient and they are trying to figure out, well, what does this patient have? You know, they've got a kidney function of this, a liver function of that, their their brain is this, you know, here's what we have the ventilator set at, what have you. You can click a button, for example, and it'll say suggest diagnosis or suggest next steps or suggest therapeutics, suggest procedure, suggest something. You know, the AI-assisted diagnosis and treatment um, would be fantastic. Another area which I think is probably a little bit more advanced is maybe an AI-assisted drug discovery. So, for example, if we know that the molecule called BP528 um, exists, and it seems like based on genomes and DNA and mRNA analysis of, of these patients, you know, because of the Human Genome Project, we know that this person has gene 523, that we know that BP892 or whatever I said earlier, um, this molecule may help patients with this exact problem. So, let's say somebody has diastolic dysfunction. This has been the bane of cardiology for a while. People with preserved ejection fraction, but they have heart failure. Their heart pumps fine, but they have heart failure symptoms and it's not due to anything else. Well, based on their genetics and based on what we know about certain molecules and the way they reacted to this medicine or the way people react to that, we know that maybe if we make a molecule called this, where we slightly turn this or add a hydrogen or an oxygen atom or whatever it might be, that we may be able to fix that exact condition. And, and, and AI and machine learning can spit out hundreds of these a year, you know, maybe a second even. In, in one second, the, these huge, uh, like, you know, IBM's Watson, for example. It's a supercomputer. Maybe we'll get somebody from IBM on here. Actually, I, I know the exact person that would be perfect for this. 
Um, my brother, actually, he works for IBM. He's huge into the AI uh, field. We'll get into that. Maybe we'll bring him on. But for example, that those would be examples of like what the computers could suggest in terms of, well, let's try this molecule on people with this. Um, so that would be another thing. Another thing, I don't know, probably eight or nine, um, is these wearable devices. A, a lot of medicine now is being uh, pushed towards home monitoring. Like, you know, we have these devices we can put in patients for heart failure monitoring. We have devices we can put for glucose, these continuous glucose monitors for diabetics. We have devices that can check um, uh, blood pressure. There's this new wristband that you can wear that you calibrate to a automated cuff and it can warn patients if their blood pressures are too high or too low. We have pacemakers, um, you know, biotronic pacemakers, for example, can detect based on impedances, based on some algorithms, whether or not somebody's blood pressure is dropping and it can give them extra heartbeats to maintain their cardiac output so that they don't pass out. We also have these um, beat drop algorithms or rate drop algorithms. The Medtronic pacemakers, for example, um, have this feature where if somebody's heart rate suddenly drops from 80 to, let's say, 40, you know, or 60 points or 20 points, whatever it might be, that it triggers a, a response where it like kicks back on and, and gets their heart rate back up to 80 or whatever it might be. Um, so that makes a huge difference. So these wearables also can track your sleep. They can target your heart rate, heart rate variability, blood glucose. You know, this can help with diabetics, sleep monitoring, fatigue, etc. This is a huge thing that we already have a lot of these wearables. It's just a matter of integrating it all into apps and machine learning back into the cloud where the cloud can do that, you know, those kind of things. Another area of this could be like the genomics and the genetic makeups that, you know, you plug in, for example, in the EMR, there's 8,000 patients and all of them have this combination of diseases and medications. We can predict what their genetic makeup is and how they would respond to certain, you know, things, for example. Um, and this can be done with a lot of things. Um, we can also have the computers or machine learning um, figure out what, uh, you know, how to, but not just sequencing genes, but based on the sequence, which medications people would respond the best to if needed, or will they respond just to exercise? Can we just put them on this specific exercise program and it would work? Like, for example, the tonal, T-O-N-A-L, is this home workout machine that has a lot of AI built into it. And as more and more people buy it, um, the algorithms that it has uh, improve. So for example, if somebody's doing a deadlift, it will know that of the 20,000 people that have done deadlifts, this velocity or this speed or this type of resistance, we know that next time if we adjust the resistance going down, the negatives or the positives, for example, by this much, we know we can get them better strength gains or hypertrophy gains or whatever it is they're trying to do. Um, another one, um, is probably these like augmented realities or virtual reality. A lot of people are on the Facebook virtual reality. I forget the name of it. Um, but you could open up shop in a virtual world where you could be the cardiologist that sees people from all over. Now we've gotten into this a lot post COVID and after the pandemic, cause we're doing a lot of telemedicine, but this could be an area to explore. What if we have these virtual offices and these virtual, uh, patients? we could probably treat people all over the world and we could probably treat a lot more people. Like imagine somebody is in Jordan, for example, and they have this really rare condition that only physicians in the United States really know what to deal with. And, you know, instead of telemedicine, maybe they can do it in this augmented virtual reality world. So I think that would help as well. That's another way you could use. 
And another another way that that could be used is like with with not putting patients at risk. Instead of the patients coming in and getting a procedure done, maybe you can put them in something sort of like an MRI scanner, and we could explore their insides virtually. You could go inside their intestines, look at the tumor, look at the mass, compare it to other ones. Use you know machine learning knows based on millions of other data points that this is probably a tumor, and you could excise it either with a colonoscopy or whether the polyp should be taken out or not, or whether it's actually cancer. The AI can look at the shape of it, the colors of it, you know, what have you, and say, you know what, this person probably has colon cancer. Um, Another way, I think we're up to like 13 now, would be like the telemedicine-assisted AI. Um, Patients, sort of like what we were talking about earlier, you know, if they don't want to come in, we could do a telemedicine, um, especially for people that are far away from doctors and can't get to the specialist. That can really make a huge difference um, in somebody's world. I have a lot of patients that are like, you know, I'm really old, I'm frail, I'm at the nursing home, you know, I don't want to come in. My volume status is good. What can we do? Well, we do a lot of telemedicine with their nurses and the staff at the nursing home saying, hey, listen, this person, the biggest, most important thing for this person is to keep them out of the hospital, keep them out of heart failure, keep them out of whatever it might be, you know, uh, thyroid storm, I don't know, asthma attacks, panic attacks, whatever. Um, there could be like AI models that predict that and trigger a notification for the staff to say, Hey, you might want to call the doctor. Uh, their breathing rate is going up or their heart rate is going up. You know, a lot of this can be detected by various sort of like the wearables, like the sleep eight bed. Um, if you guys don't have a sleep eight bed, I'll, I'll put the link in the description, but the sleep eight beds, have incredible amount of intelligence. They know how well you sleep. They know how you're breathing when you sleep. They know your heart rate variability. They know your temperature. They know what temperatures you like. The AI adapts to how well you're sleeping. It knows that if you're not sleeping that well, it could drop the temperature a little or heat up the temperature a little or wake you up with a vibration. You know, all of these things are already possible and already um, functionality. So This is where I think AI is headed. Now, the final question, which all of the doctors ask me. So the reason I know a lot about uh, AI and whatnot is because I'm involved in technology. My first job was at a computer store building computers. Then I went on to make websites. I never thought I'd end up being a doctor, um, but I was always involved in technology and I still am. I'm I'm, uh, huge into technology. You guys have seen a lot of my stuff on social media. Um, Some of it is repurposed via AI websites and algorithms and what have you. I post to one single network and it goes everywhere. I use an app called Repurpose and it does a fantastic job. Um, I'll post the link to that below as well. Um, But if you are a content creator, and you want an easy way to make one piece of content and have it distributed to hundreds uh, of uh, platforms and, and then eventually respond and do all that, there's a there's an app or a website called Repurpose. Um, it is fantastic. It even takes away the um, watermarks and whatnot and then does a great job of repurposing your content and you don't have to do it. You just post to one place and just move on. Later in the day, you can come back and just answer some questions or respond to comments. So... This is, I think, where the future of AI is. Now, will AI ever replace physicians? This is the biggest question that I think all of us have. I don't think so. I think it can help uh, physicians tremendously. Like the the first time I saw AI used in medicine recently with the ChatGPT is a doctor asked ChatGPT to write a letter to the insurance company saying, hey, please write a letter to United Healthcare." asking it to approve the stress test, for example, for John Smith or Kate Underwood, whatever, So, and please cite studies. 
demonstrating or explaining why this is a necessary test. And the AI did a good job and the stress test got approved. And I don't remember if it was a stress test or whatever it was, but it was something like that. And it worked. It actually... So I think AI will enhance mundane things. People in uh, marketing already use AI. They tell the AI, write me a landing page trying to sell a supplement for weight loss. And it does a good job. It's a good starting point. The other other people might say, write me an email sequence or a Twitter thread about reducing the burden of heart disease in the world. And the AI does a decent job because the amount of information that's out there is pretty useful and, and you know aggregating pretty good. And it can uh, predict that pretty well. Now, there are cases where the AI does a really, really bad job. I asked ChatGPT once um, to help me with a patient with heart failure, not because I needed help, but just to see what it would say. I, was, I asked it once. I said, hey, um, my patient is on, I think, uh, metoprolol or carvedilol and Lasix. What would you suggest next? They have heart failure that appears to be getting worse. And it suggested a beta blocker, not realizing that carvedilol was already a beta blocker and that they were already on it. Um, so obviously I could probably say, well, they're already on a beta blocker. What do you, what else do you suggest? But I didn't do that. But basically you got to be very careful. The other thing I think the pitfalls of uh, AI, when you ask chat GPT, for example, um, tell me about LDL cholesterol, please cite studies and describe why you need to lower LDL cholesterol, for example. Um, it will do that. It will write you a nice little article, 3,000 words, whatever you ask it to do. And unfortunately, though, when it when you ask it to cite studies, it, it will often make up studies. And then you go and search these studies and it they're not found. They're not accurate. They're not real studies. And you ask it, well, why did you make up these studies? The AI will say, the chat GPT will say, well, I thought that's what you wanted. Now, Google, um, their AI, BARD, B-A-R-D, is trying to distinguish themselves from ChatGPT by saying, well, we only provide accurate information. We won't make up data. We won't make up studies. We won't just tell you what you want to hear. We are like the, the, the rulers of the internet, and we have access to everything, and we will tell you only the correct information. So I think that's a huge issue um, as well is falsifying information or, or all of that. So I think there have to be some um, protections in place to keep the AI, you know, to protect humans from the AI gone wayward. You know, you don't want to put people on a beta blocker if they're already on a beta blocker. You don't want to cite a study and, and use that as evidence of something. And I know a lawyer did this. I know there was a lawyer um, where they wrote a thing, and I don't know, whether, I don't know what it's called, a brief maybe for a, for a lawsuit. And he asked ChatGPT to help him, and it came up with all these fake lawsuits to help support his case when it didn't really support his case because it turns out it was all fake. Um, so that kind of stuff does happen, and we have to be careful. We have to put protections in place. And I'm going to ask my guest next week, hopefully, um, I'll bring on a guest who's an AI expert, and we'll talk about the kind of protections um, and how to put kind of like limit orders or stop orders on, you know, to stop your losses or stop these uh misinformation or misuse of AI because AI can be abused. There's probably people um, who are bad players in other countries or other places that are using AI in ways to fool Americans, compromise national security, hack databases, create code that can be a virus, that can download onto computers, what have you. So there has to be some kind of protection because it's so easy. Now I can ask AI to write me a code in JavaScript to wipe my hard drive once I download it and click it or once I download it and open it or once somebody goes to a certain page on a certain website, you know, those kind of things. 
Um, so there has to be some kind of protections in place. Those are things that we could explore with the AI expert. And that's about it. If you like this podcast, I'm not planning on ever running any ads on here. Please just like the podcast, send it to your friends, tell everyone about it, leave some amazing reviews on your favorite podcast player. I think iTunes is the main one. Um, It's also on Spotify, Google, wherever else you listen to podcasts. I appreciate you all very, very much. And peace. Peace.